0: I wanted to start a new series today and really just give you an introductory thought um, as we spend the next few weeks talking about this idea. And the series is called Follower. It's called Follower. And uh, that takes on a different meaning today than probably in in history because of social media. A Follower is just you click a button and you become someone's follower. We're going to talk about what that means, uh, getting to the heart of the issue as we head into this fall season because there is a lot going on this fall at Homestead Church. We are excited about all the things that are going to come. Christy was mentioning it. We have our Thursday group starting up. Youth group is going strong. Small groups starting up. Um, one thing that we're going to be doing as we move into the building is we are still a, uh, a district-affiliated church with the Assemblies of God. So that means we still have an outside board of governors, uh, governance, and uh, we use a, a, a set of bylaws that we haven't made our own yet. We don't have any church members. We're going to change all that this fall. When we move into the building, we're going to install our charter members of the church, which uh, really, you know, yes... Um, we've had a few people go through a membership class. We're going to have another one of those. We'll have our own bylaws. We'll install our own board. We'll basically become a grown-up church. Then we can do whatever we want. No. Um, that's all happening this fall. Obviously, a big thing, you know, the, the groups, I'm really excited about our Thursday night groups. Um, one of the things we love to do here is just have the generations mixed together together. Um, We do things separately with kids and youth and adults, but Thursday nights, our our men's Bible study specifically, we're going to have the teenage guys, the students, join us for a couple of reasons. I love time spent when we can have the younger guys in our church being mentored by the older guys in our church, and vice versa. Um, So our Thursday night group, I love this idea that we're going to do kind of some, even some practical things. I'm like, we're going to... Teach the boys how to change a tire on a car. And some of the dads are like, oh, good. I'll pretend I know how to do that and then secretly learn how to change a tire on a car. You know, even like how to tie a tie, how to look people in the eye and shake their hands with a good firm handshake. All those things, we're going to do that. And then on the flip side, the younger boys are going to show us how to, you know, do group text messaging on our phone how to sign up for Spotify and what that means, um, stuff like that. But more than that, I just, I love the idea of a group of people of all different ages sitting around in a group reading through a chapter of the Bible and talking about how that can apply to our life. And for the teenagers in our church learning how to, from the guys in our church, older guys, learning how to Look at Scripture. What does that mean? How do I apply that? Learning how to study the Bible, learning how to pray for one another. These are all things that we want to do. The women are going to be having a study with the with the teenage girls joining them as well. I'm excited about that. We would love to have you join us on Thursday nights. In addition to all the other all the other things happening, another thing that's happening is the building is happening. Um, the uh, The price for our labor is going to go way up now that the maps. Uh, volunteers are, are heading out. But Christy mentioned this. So far, we've been able to pay cash um, for what we have. We have a line of credit or a loan ready for us. We haven't had to tap into that yet. Obviously, we're going to need to do that at some point. Um, well, I mean, unless you all want to just keep on you know, blowing us away with your giving. But the, the more that we can pay up front, the longer it is before we pull on that line of credit, before we're making mortgage payments. It just really puts us in a position of strength. We're excited about this building taking shape. And it is, we mentioned it a couple of times, the, the the workers there at the bakery every day and telling people, people are asking about the building. Even this morning, I had to go over there to pick up something for that high-budget trophy that I presented to Speedy. Um, there was people leaning against the building taking senior pictures. There's every, every day I'm there, there's people walking in, looking in the windows, seeing what's happening. Because this building in particular stands out in Farmington. Everyone knows this building. So I'm excited to have it open up, hopefully late fall, uh, hopefully pre-Christmas time. Um, we're going to have a lot of visitors and so one of the things as a staff and as leadership we've been talking about is this is the time when we need to be preparing the infrastructure of our church, and that is volunteers, that is people willing to serve. Um, we are going to go into that building starting two services on a Sunday morning. We'll be able to, you know, we'll have the building to ourselves. We won't be renting it from another congregation but we, we believe that God is going to provide growth numerically. So we need to be ready for two services. Uh, we need to be ready in volunteers. So this is my plug for volunteers. There will be a, a great opportunity for you to come to a service on Sunday morning at Homestead and have a whole other service that you can serve in and be a volunteer. So um, we would love everybody to find a spot over the next few months to serve. We're going to need kids, volunteers, ushers, greeters, people to help. You know, we're going to be in this building. Just, again, another step of being a grown-up church, helping to welcome the community as they as they come and we're in that new building. Um, so we really need to grow that infrastructure, volunteers continuing to serve, continuing to be generous. Um, and really, it is, uh, it's is—it's also that we can see the light of Jesus Christ continue to shine in our community, shine through us. Um, we're not here to build a name for our church. Uh, we're not here just to say, hey, look at our cool building. We believe that there are people who are lost that are going to come into that building because you've invited them, And they're going to be found by Jesus Christ. And their families are going to change. And I love thinking about a legacy of faith where in every family there's a first to get saved. And it's going to be some families in our community that this is the first family member to get saved. And we think, oh, that impacts them greatly. But what we don't see is how that impacts the rest of their family. And what we don't see certainly is how that impacts generations and generations. My wife and I are products of great legacies of faith, but somebody went first. So we are a part of eternity-changing endeavors and legacy-changing endeavors where we'll see entire families transformed by the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's about. Um, so what I want to talk about as we're in this series following is why Why are we doing all this? What are we doing? We are We are simply following Jesus, bringing people along, pointing people to Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus changing Lives, And we all get to be this unique part of it. And that is what is my favorite thing about church work like this. My favorite thing about having the, the MAPS RV workers there is I just love that, you know, a year ago, we would have never had this connection. But it's just different people around the world saying, Jesus, I just want to follow you. I just want to follow you and be more like you, and wherever you lead me, I'm going to go. Where you direct me, I'm going to go. And so these workers in their red vests, they said, Jesus, we're going to follow you. And he led them to Farmington to work on this church, and we had this great kind of connection here. That's what we want to see more of. I love the idea of just people simply saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's about you. It's about your glory and your name, and he's going to just put you in. He's going to lead you and guide you in different places, and you're going to see things that He's done through you, opportunities that you get to be a part of, going to Florida to to help build a church, missions trip opportunities, opportunities in this community, and you're just, I've said it before, you're just going to be so glad you just decided to follow Jesus where He wants you to go. And in this important season of our church, I want us to spend a few weeks talking about the heart of the issue, why we do all these things, why we do all these things, and I I started out, I read an article that had a quote by a guy, but it it was this idea of what it means to be a Christian. And so think about that. If you're telling someone or if someone didn't have any idea about what it meant to be a Christian, what would you explain to them? Or maybe you've talked to people who say, well, I'm a Christian and here's what that means to me. And it could mean any number of different things, what it means to be a Christian. Um, And so this article I was reading, there was a quote by a gentleman named David Gushy, and this is, the, this is a quote that kind of stuck with me, and it really was kind of the launching point for this whole series. And I wanted to read that to you before we go any further. And it says this. Can we throw that up on the screen? One of the great tragedies of Christian history is how many substitutes for closely studying and following Jesus' teaching and example have arisen to define what the religion is actually about. I loved that quote because he highlighted the idea of, if you're a Christian, it comes down to this. We're closely studying and following Jesus' teachings and example. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's why we like to say Christ follower, because that's really the, the definition of the word Christian. It's following Christ. You are a person of Christ. You are following him. You are a, a believer in him, and you've given your life to him, and you are following him. And in this article, David Gushy went on, after he said that, to list a few of the substitutes. He said, in, in the history of the church... Christianity, being a Christian, has come to mean so many things. For many, it's come to mean doing the right things, saying the right things so that someday you'll go to heaven. It's come to mean believing the right doctrines or orthodoxy or the right denomination, having the right church structure or belief, having the right church governance Having appropriate or adequate church attendance. I'm a Christian, so that means I just go to church, and if I can make it there twice a month, then I'm, you know, I'm batting 500, and that's good. Maybe it's emotional group experience or a partisan political identity. All of these things have come to be associated with Christianity. And we have seen uh, one of the things he mentioned in this article was in our our culture, some of these tragedies, some of these mass shootings have not only been done by people who proclaim to be Christians but some of them have been done in the name of being christian because i'm a christian i feel like i need to do this and he said it's tragic how many substitutes have been inserted into christianity away from its true meaning of closely studying and following the teachings of jesus and his example that's why we're doing it that's why we're doing it that's why we're building a building and and renovating and, and impacting our community and having youth group and having all these things so that we can closely study Jesus and invite people along. We want to follow Jesus and invite people along. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks in this series, a series called Follower, because that's what Jesus did. And we're going to look at some stories of Jesus calling his disciples to follow him. It simply was, just follow me. Just follow me. He didn't, tell them a, a, he didn't give them a list of things to believe he didn't tell them to belong to a certain group. He just simply said, come follow me. I'll show you what it means. Come follow me. I put that, uh, that graphic for this series, Follower, because follower in our world means something completely different than what Jesus meant. Follower means, a, a social, especially with social media, um, it means you know clicking a button. It means oh I like this person. I'm going to follow them. I want to stay up to date on their life, so I'm going to follow them. I'm a fan of them. I'm going to follow them. We had a we had a story in kids' church, you know, several months ago. I think it was Stephanie who was telling me the story. We were teaching about Jesus calling the disciples to follow him, and the kids were like following, and yeah, and Stephanie said, "Yes, you would, you know, you like a follower." They, Jesus said, "Yeah, I want you to follow me," and so they followed him. And one of the kids said, "You mean like a stalker?" And so she said, wow. Not really like that, but but truthfully, the, those things I mentioned. A lot of people follow Jesus in kind of a social media way, right? I'd like to stay up to date with what you're doing, Jesus. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm a follower of you. Or I really like what you're doing. I'm gonna follow you. I support you, Jesus. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you. You know, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. So so we I can know what you're up to, so that when we meet again at Christmas time, we'll have something to talk about, kind of thing. Like I I want to follow you. But when Jesus invited others to follow, I mean, I want us to get away, the whole point of this series is to kind of strip away some of the other things that we think being a Christian is, because it was a literal, you over there, come follow me, and they left, and they followed, and they spent every day with Jesus, learning, closely studying his teachings and his example. Almost more like an apprenticeship, was what Jesus had in mind. I want you to learn from me. I want you to learn the things that I say. I want you to learn the things that I do so that you can do that as well. So, this series is called Follower, and over the next few weeks, and I'm just going to go for a few more minutes today, but over the next few weeks, I invite you to strip away all the things that you've associated with being a Christian, and I just want to break it down to this one thing. Closely study and follow the teachings of Jesus. What did he say What did he do? And let that be our guide. Think times when he says to his disciples, love your enemies. Die to yourself and take up your cross. Don't judge others. Resist temptation. Times when he says to people, you must be born again. When he tells people that I am the way, the truth, and the life. All of these things. What did he say and how did he live? And we should have that as our guideline. So in just the few minutes I have today, I wanted to just kind of introduce this idea by briefly looking at the times in Scripture where Jesus called people to follow him so that we can get a better idea of what that is. And then over the next few weeks, we'll kind of take a different teaching or saying or or instruction of Jesus, and we will study that. But today, I have three Scriptures, and we're going to start with Matthew chapter 4. If you want to write these down or read along, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, I'm going to read that. I'm reading out of the NIV Bible. There are some black hardcover Bibles in the pews if you want to follow along. Um, but this is Matthew chapter 4, and in the little subtitle in that chapter, this is the section when Jesus calls his first disciples. And in verse 18, the words will be up on the screen, it says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So, this is the story in Matthew of Jesus calling his disciples. So one thing you have to really understand is what the culture was like, because this sounds, if you put it in today's world, imagine you're at the park with your kid, you're, you know, these disciples would have been like late teenagers, maybe 18 or 20 years old. Imagine you're there with your 18-year-old, I'm there with, you know, Charlie's 18, so I'm imagining I'm out maybe at the mall with Charlie, and some guy comes along and says, hey, Charlie come follow me. And Charlie says, okay, and just follows this guy. You know, that's like dial 911 situation, right? That's that's like a, a, an alarming situation. So it's important to understand the culture back then. And the culture, the Jewish culture in this time, in the New Testament time, they had the Torah or the Old Testament, the law, and they were so devoted to following the teachings of the Scripture in the Old Testament. These Scriptures in the Old Testament were so revered and so important That even by the age of like five and six, all kids would begin to go to school to study the Torah, to study the scriptures to memorize the scripture, and then as you went on, the the, the brightest students would continue to go on, so they would go to the next step, and by the age of 14 or 15, every Jewish believer, every Jewish child, because they revered these scriptures so much, and they weren't written down, there wasn't books available for everybody, so they memorized it, they memorized the entire what we have as the Old Testament by the time they were 14 or 15, which is amazing, But it was so revered that they would go and study the Scripture, and they would memorize the Scripture. And if you were the best student, you would go on to the next level. And by the time you were 14 or 15 years old, the best of the best students, there would be rabbis that would go around. And Jesus was not the only rabbi, but teachers of the Scripture, teachers of the law... And they would come and they would want to find these best and the brightest students to come be their apprentices, supposedly, or their disciples, to learn from them. So they would get the best of the best students. A rabbi would come and say, I want you to follow me. And so that student, this was a high honor. This meant you were the best and the brightest. You were going to learn from one of the rabbis. And so you would literally leave your home and your family to go study under this rabbi. So that's what was happening. And if you weren't the best and the brightest after 14 or 15 years old, well, then you would have that opportunity cut off and you would learn trade or you would go work for your family and find another way to support your family. So that's the culture that's happening. This was a high honor and every kid wanted to be chosen by a rabbi and every parent wanted their kid to be chosen by a rabbi. So when we read Matthew chapter 4, we read that Simon as we know him, Peter, and his brother, they were fishing. Why were they fishing? Because they had passed that age where they would get chosen by a rabbi. Nobody saw them as the best and the brightest. So they had settled on, well, now I'm going to be a fisherman, take over the family business. Same with the next one, James and John. They were fishing because nobody thought they were good enough to be a rabbi. So Jesus calls them, and that's why at once... That's why they get up. That's why their father watching this would have been proud. This was a great moment of, oh, I thought it was too late, but here's this rabbi. He wants my boys to go follow him, to be a disciple. So that's kind of the culture that has been built around this. That's what's going on there. And the following of Jesus was a very literal thing, a very literal thing. It's let's go. Say, see you later to your family. You're going to follow me. You're going to spend time with me. It's a, it's a diligent like separation of your past life, to pay attention to Christ and to learn from him. So that's what I wanted to highlight in that first story. The next story is Mark chapter 2. This is another story of Jesus calling the first disciples. Mark chapter 2 verse 14 says this. As he walked along, this is Jesus, as he walked along he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. So that's another one. Levi, we know him as Matthew. He would be later known as Matthew, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. He has now also not been chosen to follow a rabbi, so now he has gone into a career, a field, and he's a tax collector. So not only has he not been chosen by a rabbi, but now, and not only is he working and has a trade, but he has chosen the work that would have been the most hated by the Jews because they were occupied by the Roman Empire. And so tax collectors would be Jewish people Who worked for the Roman Empire, the hated Roman Empire, by taking money from fellow Jews and giving it to Rome to fund the evil Roman Empire. So tax collectors were seen as traitors or sellouts. They were hated. They were the lowest of the low. And Jesus is walking along, and he's probably got some other disciples with him right now, and they see Levi, and he says, come follow me. So first of all, the other disciples are probably like, no, 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 not him. Anybody but him. This was going good till now. But imagine what Levi thinks. Not only had he been passed over by other rabbis, but now he was hated. Others' disciples would have had an issue with this. Certainly the other religious leaders and other rabbis would object to calling Levi to be one of your disciples. And if you read on in that story, you'll read all about that where that was the first time where they looked at Jesus and said, why are you hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? You shouldn't be doing that. But this calling of Matthew or Levi was such a significant moment because there would have been a profound moment, and I've preached on this before, where it was a moment of Matthew thinking, wow, even me? Even I get to, you mean it's not even too late for me? Even after all I've done, not only did I not get chosen, but now I'm the hated occupation of tax collector. I'm a total sellout for the Roman Empire, and you're calling me, even me, to come follow you? It's not too late? And I love that story, and the thing I want to highlight there is the open door of Jesus, the open door. And I've preached this, and if you've been around Homestead for a long time, you might get tired of me saying this, but we have a core value of even them, right? Even them can get saved, even them. We've got people in the room here that the first time you walked into church, if you had your friends from your past see that, they would have said, whoa, even them? Even that person can get saved? That is what I want to have as a core value here, and we see it in this story of Jesus calling Levi or Matthew to come follow him. Jesus, is, the open door is there to follow Jesus. It's an open door. Even them? I like our I like uh, our diversity here in that we have diversity of faith and belief. We have uh, age diversity. I would love to have more uh, racial diversity in our church down the road. We want to keep working on that. But we have political diversity in our church. We have different generations. Um, I love that. I love that because I believe that Christ gives us an example that he is the ultimate unifier. Okay so we got a lot of ways in our country that people divide themselves politically racially economically socially whatever behavior all these things social issues it's you pick one side or the other a healthy church puts Jesus on top and says this is the ultimate unifier so that we can fill a room like this and no matter what differences we can say we can say in this family it doesn't matter because Jesus is the ultimate unifier if you have a church that is divided or filled with hate for certain groups of people, that means Jesus is not on top. This other thing is on top. But I want Jesus to be the ultimate unifier, and, uh, and I want us in every way imaginable to be a diverse church that says, even you, come on in even you. You might feel like the church has excluded you before. Come on in. And what we're going to do is we're not going to fix your social issues. We're not going to try to modify your behavior. We're simply going to follow Jesus together. We're going to point people to Jesus and we're going to follow him and learn what he says and learn his example and apply that to our life. I love the story of Matthew being called because he would have just said, wow, even me, I get to do this? Even me? Christ is the ultimate unifier. And as we grow, especially as we grow this fall in our building, we're going to have people wander into our building, and we're going to have those moments where in your heart you're going to say, wow, even them? Wow, what do we do with them? What do we do with that group? What do we do with that belief or that attitude? And we do what the disciples said. We say, we're following Jesus. Join us. We're going to follow him. We're going to learn from him. That's what it's about. So as our church grows, we may have conflict at times. That's pretty normal, but when we put Jesus on top, that is the ultimate unifier. OK, final story, because you guys are watching the clock. I can tell. You're already having the, the theme music from the Fox broadcast going, well, now you are, now that I mentioned it. Finally, John chapter one, and here's what we're going to close with today. John chapter one. John 1 verse 35. I'm going to read a few verses from John 1: 135. Again, another story of Jesus calling his first disciples. Says this in John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John, who's John the Baptist, so John the Baptist was a a teacher and he had disciples. So the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples, so John's two disciples, heard him say this, they left John and they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them and saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? And I love this reply. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. So Peter becomes the leader of the New Testament church, one of the prominent figures in the New Testament church. And he was just at home one day and his brother came home and said, Hey, I found Jesus. You should come. And then he got invited to follow Jesus that way. I love that story. I love that Jesus sees these guys following, and, and it's almost like a how Jesus describes the invitation for us to follow. He just says, Come and see. Come and see what this is all about. Come and learn. Come and see. And so there is this moment where they start following, and Jesus invites us in to follow, to come and see. And I love that Andrew went to tell Peter and invited him as well. This is how Peter became a follower of Jesus. And the story goes on in verse 33. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, another disciple, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about the law and the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And then Nathanael says this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. And Philip says these words, come and see, come and see. I love the word Jesus says to the followers, come and see. Just come follow me. Other people, Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Just come and see what it's all about. I love that invitation mentality. Just come and see what it's all about. We got a culture and a world of people that have their mind made up about Christianity in a lot of negative ways, most of which is because the church has just behaved poorly in the past in some way or another. Or maybe they have other some baggage or whatever built up to it. We don't have to solve all of those. All we're telling people is, just come and see. Let me show you Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me introduce you to the real reason we do all of these things. Come and see. We encounter others and we invite them in. I love the part of the story. We encounter others and say, hey, I'm following Jesus now. Why don't you join me? Why don't you join me at church and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus? We are witnesses of what we're learning and what we've experienced with Jesus, and we simply just invite others to join. This season in Addition to getting more teams built, becoming generous in our giving and serving and volunteering and worship teams and kids' volunteers and all the infrastructure things, we need to be a church that's growing in the hey, I invite you to join me. Just come and see what Jesus is all about. I'm not going to argue you into the faith, I'm not going to judge your behaviors. I'm simply going to say, here's Jesus. Let's follow him together. Let's learn from him together. We are witnesses of what Jesus has done, and we don't need to fix other people. We don't need them to adhere to our standards or our behaviors or have the same moral list of things that we do or have the same social or political stance. We simply say, I have found Jesus. Come with me. Come and see. Come and see what he's all about. Amen? This is what I want our church to be about. This is the foundation of For everything we do, this is why we're building a building and renovating it and spending weeks drilling giant holes in the attic rafters and bolts and everything like that. This is the reason we are reaching out to our community and funding a youth ministry and a kids ministry because we are witnesses of what Jesus can do in a life and we simply invite others to come and see. Come and see what Jesus has done. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. We point people to Jesus. We just point people to Jesus. So When someone comes into this church and we say, man, what do we do with that? You know, what do we do with even them? We hold on to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, we we point them to you. You do your work. You do your life-changing work. This is the foundation of why we serve, why we love others, and why we welcome them in. This is the foundation to why we're generous, to why we lay down our lives for others, because that's what he does, right? And we're going to read that. That's what he does, and we follow him. That's simple, right? It's not easy, but it's pretty simple. That's what he does, and we follow him. That's what his followers do. So as we go through this over the next few weeks, I just want to encourage you, let's really think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and maybe who we could invite along in this journey with us, amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time. We love opportunities to come and learn from you, to learn from your word, to learn from your teachings. So this week, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us strip away some of the false ideas of what Christianity means and simply look into your word and learn from you to study your teachings, your word, and to follow you. Help us to apply that to our life this week. And Lord, I pray for everybody here that there would be somebody that would come along our path. And maybe right now as we're praying, you know who that person is. But maybe this week, Lord, we could all put our arm around somebody and just say, I'm follower of Jesus. Come and see. Come with me. Join me. Let's follow Jesus together. So, Lord, I pray over the next several months that you would continue to build your church in every way imaginable in faith, in trust, in building, in generosity, in all of these things, in salvations. And I just pray that you would continue to build your church. We're thankful that you are going to do so. And finally, Lord, I pray uh, a blessing over our MAPS RV workers who were here over the last few months. I pray as they go, they hit the road this week, first of all, I pray that you would bless them for their time and their effort and their energy and their sacrifice for our church. They may never fully realize the, the fruit that will come from their months of work. But, Lord, when people are getting saved and families are being transformed, that's going to be fruit from their labor. And so I pray your blessing over them. I pray for traveling safeties. Wherever they are headed next, I pray that you would bless them there. And I, I am so thankful that this was a stop in their journey, that they became a part of our church. And I just pray your hand of protection and blessing over them and everything they do. So be with us this week. Uh, We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. God bless you, Homestead Church. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.